I don't really know what words I can describe that are fit for FCC airwaves uh, to explain the, the, the tragic decision by J.R. Smith. I'm talk, you talk about asleep at the wheel. I got to tell you something right now. That is as, as inexcusable of a mistake as you can possibly make. It's not like it was in the throes of action. You are at your George Hill. You're at the free throw line. You have an opportunity to take a deep breath, pause, collect your thoughts and what have you. And still standing at the free throw line where he was inexplicably not boxed out. He grabs an offensive rebound and runs out as if trying to run the clock out because he thinks they have the lead and ultimately blows it and sends the game into overtime. LeBron James is looking at him like he has to be the most idiotic individual on the planet Earth. very important questions out of finals game one which as you know by now the Celtics were not a part of first who took more bullets from what J.R. Smith did in the final seconds of game one of the NBA finals George Hill missing the possibly game winning free throw off of a sensational pass by LeBron Or was it Kevin Durant who stood there, much as he did the rest of the night, and watched as J.R. Smith snatched the rebound right over him and then proceeded a 2K sprint to the half-court line in a recreation of the Aaron Baines-Al Horford incident where LeBron's pointing J.R. Smith toward the rim as he's running toward the other rim at full speed, taking the game with him. It all culminated in one of the most insane Twitter nights you'll ever see. See, Twitter just seems to want to top itself at every turn. NBA Twitter, that is. Because as we still deal with the fallout of the Brian Colangelo fiasco in Philadelphia that, as Woj is reporting, could end up in his firing within the next day or two. We get J.R. Smith, which against all odds, his NBA playoff gaffe that we'll remember most involves him not shooting rather than shooting. The odds had to be plus a thousand on that one. I don't know how LeBron didn't take his head off in that moment. But for all you Cavaliers apologists indicating that this might be LeBron's worst team ever, I see what you're saying now. Because those early Cavs teams were marked by neutral lack of performance. These Cavs seem to go negative at every turn. And then in the final moments, you get Tristan Thompson and Kevin Love possibly making suspension-worthy moves that were so unnecessary at that point of the game. Overtime was unnecessary to begin with, but George Hill and J.R. Smith did their thing. See, I didn't even get in the hill too much as he missed a vital free throw, and he is going to be forever grateful of Smith for that one, I'd imagine. Unbelievable. The fallout over Colangelo continues as a him 
Is it his wife? Either way, probably result in his demise in Philadelphia, which I still wonder, does that turn out for the better for them or the worse? It depends on who his replacement is, of course, but with LeBron rumors circulating around the 76ers, I wonder if this week, as funny as it is now, opens the door to James in Philadelphia. J.R. Smith might have definitively knocked James out of Cleveland. If they can't get it together again in this series and this becomes such a tumultuous moment in what, at least for game one, looked like it could have been a way better series than imaginable. LeBron might be packing his bags right now faster than he walked out of that press conference after that reporter asked him some of the dumbest questions you'll hear in a presser. What was going through Smith's mind? Sorry. That's on the list of do not ask questions along with talk about, which isn't a question, so it's an exception on the list. Among other questions that don't pop into my mind immediately but that is up there trying to put yourself in another person's mind and he wasn't the only one who asked that they were asking the Warriors that too anyway biggest upset of the night the fact that Smith butchered the game by not shooting or the fact that he overshadowed a Kanye West album release that had to be greater odds than what he actually did on the court. Kanye streamed down for two hours. And there was a slight peep about it. This is is an artist who controlled social media for a week and J.R. Smith outdid him on this night. Maybe Kanye thought, like many of us, that this was going to be a sweep. I'm Bobby Manning. This is the Celtics Blog Podcast. And we haven't even mentioned the Celtics yet because it's the offseason now. June 1st. Todayceltics.blog.com features an update on Gordon Hayward, who had surgery today and now has a timeline for returning to basketball activities. Aaron Baines had his broken nose fixed as well, if you're interested, which his son did not help him with by karate kicking him in the face in the aftermath of his broken nose in Game 6. Other news and notes up there as well. Keith Smith primes you for the offseason. It's all worth checking out as we check in with our buddy Sam Sheehan, staff writer for Celtics Blog, and someone who is chomping at the bit to talk about Brian Colangelo. Oh, my God. I, like, almost... Like, I almost feel like it has to be, like, a family member. Like, right? Like, no one's that stupid. The the worst part about it, I 100% think it's him. But I feel like they're going to construct some sort of excuse to try to get themselves out of it. Because what are they going to... If it's true and he didn't, there's no way he can come back as GM. There's no no, no way. (laughs) 
somebody's getting fired one way or another. Like, there's no way no one gets fired out of this, which, like, sucks. But also, like, I don't feel like... It would be, like, one thing if it was just, like, the weird, embarrassing stuff. But there was, like, real medical, like, that got leaked. And, like, you know, like, that's, like, so whack. So, whatever. Like, I can't believe... I just can't believe it. Like, that's... This is, like, where it went. But it was a nice distraction from the horrific... Uh, game seven. I can't. I, I can't believe I stayed up till five in the morning watching that while I was in Paris. <laughs> I torpedoed a day in like the nicest city in the world to watch King LeBron. Ugh. But I can't believe. And the thing that sucks is I really like. I know this is gonna come off as of sour grapes, but I really do feel like it was like the Celtics mysteries. I don't think like LeBron was great, but like not that great you know what i'm saying like it wasn't i said a few days before Mm -hmm. we're finally gonna get Celtics rockets we're gonna get that series Mm -hmm. of the james harden marcus smart stuff the Cavs and warriors are gonna get out of here and then in the back of my mind i said something's gonna happen and neither of them are gonna get in it and sure enough they both take a million threes and miss almost all of them which there's parallels there the other yeah. teams kind of toyed with them. There was more pressure on fewer producers on both teams. And then mm-hmm. I think both sides wore out completely to the point where if you're jacking threes like that, that's tiring. Like, I figured the Warriors would, like, kind of turn it around. I just, I still, I still really feel like the Celtics were the better team. And I know that's, like, to, uh, God, I just... I go back to so many of those games, and so that the the game was at four, where they mm-hmm. missed like a billion layups, and just like the Celtics blew out the Cavaliers every game. They didn't have like a at home. They didn't have a historic three point shooting. But anyway, uh, we're we're, we're going to talk post postseason or um, off season stuff. Yeah, our favorite. We're here with oh, yeah. Sam Sheehan on the Celtics Blog Podcast, making his return for round two. He did so well the first time that we brought him back. <laughs> I, I, I promise to, well, I don't promise. I will make an attempt to <laughs> make less jokes. Luckily, no crazy Sixers news, so that should make things easy on me. There's absolutely nothing I could get off topic about or um, <laughs> go on wild tangents about. So thank God. We can just focus on uh, the Celtics offseason. Let's set the table because this Sixers thing is going to go one of two ways. I did a big 10-minute monologue about it last night, so you might as well get your opportunity to. Either they construct some sort of theory on why it wasn't Colangelo so they can keep him, or it goes the other way and he's out of there, which either helps LeBron end up there or completely destroys their situation. Yeah. So pretty much three different ways it could go. Yeah. I feel like um I feel like if you're the Sixers coaching staff and the ownership at large, um, this would be almost a little bit of a get out of jail free card for them because I I'm kind of of the opinion I'm in the spooky molder camp that, you know, the the Colangelos were installed as sort of a compromise between the league because, you know, the the process was kind of Medicaid fraud on a grand level where you know, they were, you know, the, the, the Sixers were not fielding a competitive team. That's that's what the grift here was, is that they weren't fielding a competitive team. And that's, you know, the NBA's business at the end of the day. Everyone's got to at least try to field a competitive team so the games aren't awful that the fans are paying to watch. And if you're not putting in those contributions, you know, people are going to get mad at you. And especially when you're collecting 
all the revenue sharing. Um, they were they ended up below the floor, I think, pretty much every year, and utilized but utilized the fact that the way that things are calculated, basically on the salary floor and stuff like that, contracts are prorated. So if you do something like go get Andrew Bogut or JaVale McGee or any of these guys at the very end the of their contracts, yeah, if you go um, at the trade deadline, absorb those guys and then waive them, you're actually paying less in money because you only have them on your con- on your books for like a 30 year so you're only responsible for that amount of money. So they're actually were technically paying below the floor each of the years. So it was just like a bottom line, you know, the ownership was getting wasn't paying anything. They were collecting all the, you know, tax salary revenue. They weren't fielding a competitive team and they were getting all the top draft picks. And that's that's where the ire for the process comes from. It's not that Sam Hinkie outsmarted everyone. It's that no one did this because it's wrong. It, it isn't purely competitive the way like uh, European soccer is. You know, the NBA is, is franchised. You're all paying in. That's, you know, the bottom line. I'm not certainly not going to shed any tears for billionaire owners, but that's why this was a big thing for them. That's why the league stepped in. And that's why I think Jerry Colangelo ultimately ended up being the Sixers GM and why Sam Hinkie had to step down because somebody needed to be a fall guy. They needed to change this. Um, the Sixers' ownership, it was a great deal for them. They paid no money, got a great team, and they just fired Sam Hankey and in came Colangelo. And Colangelo was kind of the price they had to pay, where you are the guy who, you know, you're the you're the guy that they're bringing in um, to kind of appease the rest of the ownership. But now with this insane, weird... What was your favorite thing, tweet? We're, yeah, he, he's, well, he's just going on rants about SJWs <laughs> and stuff. It's like it's, it's crazy how much it looks like every like Twitter egg that's ever yelled at me. About, like, like, it does raise suspicions about, of what other burner accounts are out there, and we can yes. only guess. It's like I, it's like makes me think like has Jay Laranega ever told me to like stick, stick to sports? In, 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 in the I don't know. Like maybe, but probably not. Jay's a good guy, but it's a good one. And Colangelo is going to be the fall guy ultimately for this. Everyone's going to get their f's together and mm-hmm. tie up these accounts that are probably running rampant everywhere. And unfortunately, or fortunately in our case, I'd say. He's going to be the fall guy for it. I, there might be a way that they're able to construct some sort of excuse to get out of this, but I just don't see it. I think he is ultimately going to end getting out of there. And I wonder if that's for the better of Boston or for the better of Philadelphia because this Brian Colangelo actually is has not been the greatest GM for them. I mean, Markel Fultz, the guy he's complaining about on the burner account, is a direct move that he made. And that has not set them in the right direction. They're going to be in the running for LeBron this summer. And a theory I heard, Colangelo out, David Griffin in. I think it'd be kind of a best case for the Sixers. I I don't think Brian Colangelo has necessarily done a bad job. I think paying J.J. Redick all that money on a one-year contract was pretty smart. Um, you know, I think getting Bellinelli, you know, some of these short-term— Getting a mirror. Yeah, he's kept their flexibility and helped them. I don't think he's done necessarily a bad job. I don't think that Fultz trade, at least to me, I'm you know I've I've taken an, probably the biggest L of all time on a, <laughs> the Jason Tatum thing. So, but so but I certainly didn't think it was a horrible trade for the Sixers, and it, you know it honestly still might not be that bad in, in all for them if you know for whatever reason the Kings end up getting the number one pick. Suddenly the Celtics are left with you know a Sixers pick that could be twenty seventh. 28th, you know, next year in like a worst case scenario. So there are ways that trade doesn't look as bad. Probably not. 
but you know, I think the long story short here is that the Sixers kind of are in a long. This weird thing allows them to sort of get out of their pact with the NBA, where the NBA kind of authoritarianly installed their own GM to watch over things, and now you know Brett Brown. Luckily, just got that three-year deal for him. He just kind of gets to sit back and let this thing play out. He gets to delete I, his burner accounts. Yeah. And he, well, the thing is, if he types the way he speaks, it's going to be very easy to figure out a Brett Burner. <laughs> the funniest thing about the Colangelo accounts is that even though all of them were in his own voice and clearly coming from the perspective of someone within the organization when you look at them... They had, like, these mistyped spellings in there and, like, all, all weird grammar points as if he was trying to, like, dust up his tracks as he ran forward. It was very odd. I just I just think when you post, you, like, become the troll. I mean, I misspell things on Twitter a lot. That's just where you are. You get that energy deep inside you and everything everything posts. I mean, it, you know. He transformed I, into Eric Jr. He really did become Eric Jr. in that moment. I, I don't know. I mean, the shirt collar thing is, like, the funniest thing that I, I've ever... Uh, did you see that one? Yeah. Where somebody was making fun of the shirt collars. It's, it's not weird. He was also talking about how often Joel Embiid goes shirtless. And the funniest thing was the fallout of Embiid completely liking every single tweet Eric Jr. had ever made. And then on top of that, the Woj saga, where Woj is coming out saying, Colangelo says he didn't do it. <laughs> It's incredible. It's incredible. I, I wouldn't be surprised if it was, like, one of, like, uh, Brian's, like, family, like immediate family members or something trying to defend him. It, it, it would be one of the funniest things to ever happen in the NBA if it's actually Brian Colangelo. And if it is Brian Colangelo, he absolutely deserves to be fired. Because, you know, just the, the, the thing Brian about can't Jaleel, win like, with those cats. Yeah. It's, like, it's, it's just, like, a very... You know, I, I don't know what I would be like as a GM, but you can't mess around with like people's medical records and stuff like that. You know, like so. How do you think Durant's feeling today? <laughs> I mean, in some ways vindicated, but <laughs> I, I, I think in other ways, did he pave the path? Was this the Durant? I wonder. It, it is very funny that this could happen in a post-Durant burner <laughs> world. Like everyone saw how dunked on he got for that, but. Still went for it. It is so. Uh, what I what's so funny about the burners is that people feel the need to defend themselves with it. I, don't know. <laughs> I, I find that funny. In the third so, person, right? I, as someone who doesn't have any uh, alternate Twitter accounts of any kind, I can hi. I can say right now on the podcast, if it ever comes out that I have any different Twitter accounts, you know, maybe satire or otherwise that, you know, that would just be so embarrassing for me and everyone should absolutely make fun of me for it. But that'll never happen. I was going to ask, are you the most likely Celtics blog writer to have a burning account? Can we give you that superlative? Uh, I, I would say, I, I could, I would say that's probably um, pretty safe. So, you know, don't, I, I wouldn't sleep on Doxy. <laughs> I wouldn't sleep on Doxy. <laughs> for hymns one of the biggest fears as a Celtics fan is blowing a 3-2 lead to LeBron James as they have now done twice in the last six seasons second of which should be your hair because I know many of you are men listening to this show with respect to the ladies out there but the only statistic I know 
off the top of my head right now is that 66% of men lose their hair by age 35, and that is scary. Not quite as scary as a LeBron Garden playoff game, but it's up there, and you got to be proactive. you got to get ahead of the game, and hymns is the way to do it. 4hems.com is your one-stop shop for hair loss, skin care, and men's wellness products. They have the well-known generic equivalents to the name brand prescriptions that help you keep your hair. There's no waiting room, awkward doctor visits, or anything of the sort. It's easy. Answer a few quick questions, and it is to your door. Doesn't get easier than that. So... Our Celtics blog listeners are going to get a free trial month of Hymns for $5. All you have to do is go to 4 slash CB, as in Celtics blog. F-O-R-H-I-M-S dot com slash CB. Go check it out. Don't forget, CB. Marcus Smart, in his exit interview, or rumbling around the garden after the Game 7, said he thinks he's worth above the 12 to $14 million projected for his contract to be going forward if he is to sign long-term with the Celtics or someone else this summer. He's the most obvious housekeeping they have to take care of this summer. So I decided to pull you on here to crunch the numbers, give us a little preview of what we can expect from the Celtics when it comes to their free agents as well as their cap positioning going into the summer. We don't have the cap numbers. I'm sure we have a sort of idea of where they're going to be. But as of now, I would imagine the Celtics are above the cap, below the luxury tax, correct? Yep, exactly. And I think that what we're going to see, probably like the most interesting um, thing is, you know, from what I've heard from people who are smarter than me, they've said that this is not the, the gambling... The gambling money isn't going to make much of a difference. Um, I thought that might have been a game changer. Um, it seems like that's not going to that's not going to do too much to the cap. You know, I think most people are probably have their estimates around a 101, 102 million um, in the cap. So that's interesting. Um, the Celtics face something interesting. Not getting the Lakers pick, they suddenly have an option where, you know, or not have the option. It makes a path a little bit clearer to stay below the luxury tax this year coming. You know, I know that a lot of fans out there are going to hear me say, well, why would you stay below the tax when you have a team that was one win away from the finals without two all-stars? Like, that's insane. You've yeah. got to spend all this money. You know, you got to spend the money right now. Let's spend the money, keep the team together, run it back. Let's go, you know, win a title. And, you know, that, that, there's very, that very well might happen. But the reason that this is a problem is the Celtics are going to face serious luxury tax issues, three to four years down the line. And that's why that gambling money becomes important, because if you see another spike in three to four years, that makes that smart money down the line project a little better, correct? Correct. VR innovations or something like that that, you know, might come up, you know, if that takes off and suddenly you get people, you know, that's suddenly another contract that some... The 2K league. Yeah. Well, you know, some like PlayStation picks up to stream with their VR headset or Samsung or something to... That would be a whole other big contract that would, you know, make a sizable difference. But it, it, you don't. That's really even in like the best case scenarios. It really doesn't. It, I don't think it's going to move the 
Um, it's not going to move the line like the 20 million we saw in 2016. It's probably going to be more like 2 million, 3 million, maybe 5 million at yeah. the most. So when I look at uh, the smart contract right now, I do think the back end of it is a bigger concern than the front end of it because 12 to 14, 15, 16 million dollars next year bumps you above the tax probably. But then down the line with other contracts that they're going to have to negotiate between Irving, possibly Roger, and then Jalen Brown the next year, that gets you way above the tax. Yeah. I mean, that's the, that's the big thing. The, the big problem, so to speak, is that um, Kyrie Irving is wildly underpaid right now because he signed his contract before the cap spike. Not only that, he signed it while he was still in the um, zero to six year experience bracket, which means he's getting paid. Um, only 25% of the salary cap, or, or what it was when he signed his contract, with the requisite 6% raises. So he's only getting paid $20 million next year, um, a little bit more. You know, you compare that to Gordon Hayward's $30 million, you know, that's a big difference, that $10 yep. million. He has an opt-out in 2019 he's almost definitely going to take because it's he's just going to get so much more money on this new cap and where his experience bucket is. It, you know, that's not to say he wants to leave the Celtics, just that's smart to take the opt-out and get more money and he should he deserves more money than mm-hmm. that. so when when that kicks in and it's the same year al horford has his opt-out it's the last year of jalen brown's contract um they're going to be one year away from, away from jason tatum's contract um, if they bring back al horford and kyrie irving on maxes and then they're you know giving is it, is it or, irving after next year and then horford's a year after or horford has two years left i believe he has two years, but one of them is a player option. Uh-huh. So it depends on what you think. Like he, he, he and Irving both have player options in 2019. Al's is not as he's not as much of a lock to opt out of. I think is where the math gets a little weird because he has three million, thirty million. Um, you know, he could possibly get more money than that. He could possibly not. He could if he's coming off a big year. You know, it really depends on what Al Horford looks like this mm-hmm. year. Um, I think if it, Al Horford had the player option for this year, he'd opt out because he's been unreal. He was unreal this year, and he could get a max for even in his age right now. Um, you know, but we got to kind of remember, even as it seems like Al Horford is, you know, kind of older. KG was pretty old when he came to the Celtics, and he's still, you know, he was in his, you know, early 30s when he came to the Celtics, and he had a lot of good years here on the Celtics. He did get hurt, but um, he was effective for almost a half decade beyond when he first came here. So Al Horford is another moving piece. The bottom line here is that the Celtics are going to be into the tax definitely for this foreseeable future beyond this thing. You know, the repeater tax was specifically designed to make super teams like the Celtics are going to have impossible to hold together. So this is, you know, why it's important for the Celtics to stay below the tax next year is because they... It saves them a year of being in the repeater tax later on down the line. Once you're in the salary, once you're in the tax for three out of four years, that third year you um, you end up in what's called the repeater tax. And the repeater tax, all the money goes way up. And it's not like five million dollars here, five million dollars there. We're talking about you know the payroll could literally be the cost. Um, as Ryan Bertandoni put it in a Celtics sub piece, it could literally be the cost of the franchise, like what Wick and the guys paid for <laughs> yeah. the Celtics when they bought it. So it is an extreme amount of money. And something as simple as staying, you know, spending $3 million less this year and staying below the tax could be a difference of, you know, as large as $20 million. So in, how's, how's that into the smart negotiations, you believe? 
I think that, that what that means is that they've got to kind of be smart, no pun intended, um, about what they're going to do with Marcus. Um, he's, his qualifying offer is going to be, or sorry, his cap hold is going to be about $13 million. Um, he's going to have, there's a chance he could take the qualifying offer. Um, that wouldn't be the end of the world. Um, basically, if the Celtics do pay him right around what his cap hold is, or $12 million, $13 million, something like that, they are floating right around um, the tax line. You know, they're probably about $2 million under the tax line, something like that. Um, that doesn't account for Aaron Baines. That doesn't account for uh, Shane Larkin. And that doesn't account for Greg Monroe. Um, so Aaron Baines is obviously kind of the standout there. Um, yeah. You know, you probably want to bring back Aaron Baines. So um, when it comes and- to Baines, you said mm-hmm. he's capable of coming back non-bird rights, about $5 million, right? Yeah, like about five point six million. Um, now, could so, he come back on the regular mid-level exception, which is mm-hmm. eight? He could. There's uh, there's some interesting thoughts on that. Um, so there's a little, <laughs> there's some more arcane cap stuff here. Where if you do use the full mid-level exception, you hard cap yourself at the apron, which is about five million dollars over the the um, tax line. Ryan in his um, roster reload. If if you don't check check that out on that, that's a really good piece. Um, Ryan Bernardoni. If you go on his Twitter, he lays out some of this stuff. But the the most important, what he believes, I'm not sure I necessarily agree, is that you know they want to stay flexible and they wouldn't hard cap themselves like that under any circumstances. Yep. Because if a trade does come up for Anthony Davis or Kawhi Leonard or one of these guys, and you do need to go over the apron to get one of those guys, you know, in an extreme situation like that, you want to have the flexibility to do so. So in a hard cap scenario, you can't do that trade flexibility where you're mm-hmm. a few million off each way. Yeah, I mean, like, you, you absolutely cannot go over that hard cap line. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, even if you have the, con, you know, you can have contracts within a certain amount and send them matching contracts back, but if it's more than that $5 million, you don't want that to be the reason that you weren't able to do the thing because yeah. you... You know, overspent on. So that makes it unlikely whatever. Baines comes back on the eight. It's going to be the five. I would say it's more likely he comes back on the five. Um, there's also what's called the taxpayer mid-level exception, which does not hard cap you. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a whole nother thing. Um, it would give the Celtics. Uh, it'd be cool if the Celtics could preserve their taxpayer mid-level or their mid-level exception. If you if they could get Baines back on that, fi- you know, five point six non-bird rights, that would. You know, give them another tool for signing players. You know, there's there's other things like uh, trading Marcus Morris. Like, where does Marcus Morris fit in um, once Gordon Hayward is back? Uh, That's only five know, million or so, though, which in the long run doesn't change too much relative to his value of the team. We're splitting hairs here, though. Do you think kind of. the market is going to be there for Smart to get what he's looking for, especially when there's other top dogs out there? I really don't think so. Um, I really, really don't think so. Um, I, I don't know. Teams have been stupid before, but looking around the landscape, it's tight out there. Um, it's real tight out there for, for some of these guys. Uh, someone like J.J. Redick might be up a tree. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like, and he's, you know, I think considered for more teams, he's more easy to fit in than Marcus Smart. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's hard... Marcus Smart is perfect where he is on the Celtics as a six-man hyperglue guy, um, do-everything, chaos smart, you know. Yeah. He, he can't really be your lead guard. I mean, we've all watched Marcus for four years now. We know what he is and what he isn't. He's, you know, he is not 
he needs to be guarded as a shooter no matter how bad he is. He's made himself into a shooter that needs to be guarded. He can't, you know, it's not like Tony Allen. You know, I think some of the national guys, uh, you know, say that, oh, you need to, you just don't guard smart. That and doesn't we work. We saw in his absence this year how vital a piece to the defense he was. They slipped off substantially after the L.A. picture incident that Danny Ainge was joking about in the ex- exit interviews mm-hmm. pretty cleverly. That was good, a clever big picture. That was good. Uh, other than the big picture in his bathroom in L.A., it was a pretty good year. <laughs> Any other, other guys need surgery? Are they all healthy? Do they make it out? Or is there anybody that's going to need something fixed? I think that I can't think of any. Um, you could use some plastic surgery. <laughs> it's going to be so. Do you think there's like a the qualifying offer is the best case solution or not best case? I think best case is a fair deal for both sides because then he goes in unrestricted free agency next year and you probably lose him in that case. But that the qualifying offer probably brings you in under the tax. For next year's it, it, team. It, oh, it def, it, that would definitely would, and then you could probably bring in Baines and, you know, without having to trade Marcus Morris or, you, you know, you got to think about Terry Rozier. Um, I, I don't think there's really any way they're going to be able to extend or keep Terry Rozier um, if they figure Kyrie Irving to be a big part of the team's plans going forward. Yeah. I think they, I think they do. <laughs> He's very good. <laughs> so, you know, I, I know I love Terry, but like, you know, we're talking about. Kyrie Irving, who could be one of the top ten players in the NBA when he's on. So I just – I really think that you can't um, – you know, there's not really a, a way for the Celtics to, you know, play. there's a chance they trade him around the trade deadline. I don't know what kind of market there will be for him, particularly after game seven, um, when that's the most recent thing on everyone's minds um, with regards to him. And I don't know. I, I'm not sure he is as versatile as – Marcus is, you know what I'm saying? He yeah. kind of needs the needs the ball a little bit more. Um, you know, we kind of saw in the playoffs how he can be targeted more. So he's definitely targeted more on defense than Smart was on offense. You, you know, I think that that's kind of going to be the rub here. But at the same time, if you're trading Terry Rozier, you also don't have him in a year when the Celtics might win the might win the title. So it might be worth it to even if you know that you're gonna lose him in restricted free agency when someone throws a huge offer sheet at him next year, it might be worth it just for that crack at the title to, you know, keep Terry Rosier on the team, have him be that super sub and just have this insane rotation of guys who are starter level players in the NBA that go eight deep, you know? Even diving years. into the tax might be worth that. It obviously puts you on a bad run going forward for the next four years, as you talked about, but it might be worth it. If you really get hammered by the smart contract, if there is an offer sheet out there that forces your hands just a little bit, you might have to just bite the bullet and dive into it this year, even though this year probably is the prime year to stay out of it. Do you think there's a cutoff smart salary that they're just going to have to say no to? I would be I would be surprised if they matched anything 14 million or over. I would be shocked if any team gave it to him. Um, you know, not only offer sheets getting getting players in restricted free agency is, you know, it's tough. Yeah. Um, outside of 2016, it didn't hasn't really happened that often. You know, and that's why we saw guys like Greg Monroe or Lens Noel take the qualifying offer because. The market's not really there a lot of years when you're trying to go get guys and, uh, you, you know, you're tying up money for two days 
on a guy you don't know if you're going to get. Like, why would you spend throw all this money at Marcus Smart when there's an unrestricted free agent over here who you can negotiate and make sure that you're going to get him and know exactly what's going on, yeah. and then you haven't wasted those two days in free agency. It ties up your cap for multiple days, and the teams with yeah. cap space are going to be moving fast. You look at Philly, yeah. Los Angeles. They're going to be moving at the big players in free agency, and right. they, they it's not worth it to tie up their cap space. So it really is far and few between the teams that can offer from not only a fit perspective but a money perspective too, which works to Boston's benefit. Any chance Greg Monroe returns? It would need to be cheap. You know, it would need to be kind of a discount. Does um, it even make sense? It can make sense. Um, I think there's a there's a place where it makes sense, but it's just it's probably not you know too much money. Um, yeah. You know, the Celtics are. It, it's going to be interesting to see what sort of roster spots the Celtics are going to have. Um, I'm guessing they wave Abdel Nader. Um, Semi and Tice, Semi Ojale and Daniel Tice become extraordinarily important for the team going forward because of their, you know, itty bitty salaries yeah. that they're going to be. And they're, you know, that gives you real rotation guys, quite frankly, deep on the bench, you know, <laughs> like at this point. You know, between those guys, if they do hang on to Marcus Morris and Marcus Smart, um, you know, uh, it's going to be interesting. I don't know how many roster spots they have left. They are going to have their own selection. Um, it'll be interesting. Something else that's going to be really interesting to see is if the Celtics trade into this draft or up somehow. I mean, they do There's have a the sporting trade news report today that they met with Mo Bamba and they're interested in moving up for him. Yeah, I, I'm always really skeptical whenever there's any reports of what the Celtics are going to do. Yeah. <laughs> it always seems like it's behind on what the move was a week or two right. ago. And, and jumping 20 spots or so seems like a leap. That looks like it's going to be a high cost margin no matter how you look at it, especially when if you look at where the Celtics were last year, 3-1, to one, you're flipping three back to Philly, so they're still picking top three. In this mm-hmm. case... You're selling whatever team you're trading with in the top 10 on picking next year in the top 10, which is a much harder sell. Bamba would need to slide a lot. Um, I've kind of really warmed up to Mo Bamba. I saw when I saw Jalen Brown, when people said that he interviews like Jalen Brown, that like just (laughs) I turned into the Vince McMahon gif of him, like, you know, looking like uh, all excited about everything. That was me when when I heard those comparisons. And he's just, you know, his measurables are absolutely wild. And you see the the, the three point shooting and just the Rudy Gobert length. And it's uh, it's tantalizing. It would solidify the best defense ever, maybe if he fulfills his potential. And it's just, you know, I just can't see that. Even in the draft that's loaded as this. I can't well, that puts you into the tax spot. automatically, too, at like a $6, 7000000 million uh, draft slot right. salary. Exactly. So exactly. it is kind of a pipe dream in that perspective. There is one other move, though, that they could look at this summer, and that is that mid-level exception for $8 million. I feel like that's a big spike from last year. Aaron Baines came in at like 5 or 6 right? Last year on the yeah, level, he was well. He was receiving what's called the room mid-level exception. So that's <laughs> this cap's kind of, insane. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 crazy. Yeah. The, the the room mid-level is basically for like if you spend up to if you have cap space and then use up all your cap space in, um, same in, that, in that same off season, yeah. that's what you have left over. And it's it's smaller. It's closer to the taxpayer mid-level exception 
and the on the biannual exception to anything. So he's coming off of that. Um, the, the full mid-level exception is, is much bigger, eight million. I will say a lot of the worst contracts in the NBA um, have been signed using the mid-level exception. Do you think um, they're going to use it? I would be really surprised um, if they used it. If they use more than the taxpayer mid-level on a guy that was not extraordinary, I would be shocked. You look at the team, and the obvious thing that the team needs is a big. Um, and there's a lot of bigs. The, the market is saturated with bigs. You know, the the bad thing about, um, you know, there's obviously a lot of bad things about losing Aaron Baines. You know, suddenly this ability to shoot threes and just what a what an impact he makes defensively. Losing him would be a big blow. But then on the other side of the coin, the Celtics will probably be able to repl- get a pretty good big man for, you know, not much money next year. Guys like Dwayne Dedman are out there. Yeah. Um, I wonder about Julius Randle as he gets lost in that L.A. shuffle. Yeah, he's another one. You know, like Julius Randle, this, you know, they might need to renounce their rights to Julius Randle if, if they make, if the Lakers hit on two of them. And he might be out there, you know. He might be someone, he's an exception. Um, he might be someone if, for whatever reason, no one else in the league wanted to take a shot on him. You know, that does this, seem like there'd be a market for him, especially the way he right. played defense last year. And Ennis Cantor, yeah. too. He's probably not a fit for Boston, but that's a guy who's probably going to be making just a bit too much money. It feels like they're already really tied up against that tax to just keep what they have. So probably. adding on top of that is going to be a stretch. And do they even really need to? That's the I biggest think- question. I, I, I honestly, the, I, I kind of agree with my own looking at, you know, the tax. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what our own cap guru, Keith Smith. I was like, I was like making my own judgments and then seeing what the other cap guys have to say. Like, I was going to say coming into this, who would win in a cap war? You're a Keith. It's going to be Keith, right? <laughs> Keith, would, Keith would body me. I would, I would be... Uh, Keith is Jalen Brown, and I'd be Robert Covington. Like, I just, there's no, there's no comparison. Ryan and Ryan and Keith are out there as the like the the monsters, and I am I'm Bill Murray. <laughs> Keith's making actually Keith's making a speech about the salary cap of some sort. I saw on the Slack. So there you know, you're sitting in the Brooklyn uh, apartment, and he's making a big time speech. Keith's big time. Yeah, I'm over here. No, Keith, I, I'm interested to read Keith's piece because I want to see his opinion on this. And I saw you know Ryan's, and I thought it was interesting because I came to the same conclusion that maybe maybe if the Celtics if someone does become available that's interesting to the Celtics, uh, Marcus Morris might be the odd man out in a pretty similar way to how Avery Bradley was kind of the odd man out last offseason, where the Celtics needed needed room. Um, they had something they needed to do. They had a very good, very useful player um, who's movable um, yeah. on the books. In that and, case, they'd be shipping him out for a pick maybe. Uh, yeah, a pick or and probably a lighter contract or someone, someone they could waive. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's, and that's that's an interesting move, and I, I, it kills me to say it because the Flask Dad is one of my, <laughs> Rips calls him is one of my favorite favorite players. Uh, like he was just so much fun. I can't Even believe you missed out on the weird Celtics Twitter edition of the Celtics Blog podcast when we did with Jam Packard a few weeks ago. That would have been right up your alley. Yeah, I was <laughs> classic. I was I was missing out on it, but I can't believe that he. Uh, you know, I can't believe how much I fell in love with Marcus Morris. I was really really. 
really mean to him early in his Celtics tenure, and I really came around on him to the point where I'm forgiving him for laying an egg in these playoff games because he's just screaming at Tristan Thompson. <laughs> we, we forgot one person here. Poor Shane Larkin. Had yeah. such a great year. Comeback season. Definitely found himself a slot in the NBA again. And then just when they probably need him for a few spot minutes in the East Finals, he's just completely unable to play because of a shoulder injury. Any chance he's back? I, I would I would doubt it. He's probably Shane's probably showed enough in Boston to play himself into you know a decent you know uh, three million dollar contract, four million dollar contract somewhere, which is going to be too rich for the Celtics' blood. But you know a good backup point guard, you know your third, third low end second, high end third back, backup point guard money, and someone someone's going to give Shane Larkin some money. So uh, that worked out great for you know the Celtics who continue to add him to the jewel of, you know, rehabilitating guys yeah. who are, uh, you know, like uh, Jeff Evan Green, Turner. Evan Turner, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? These guys who come play for the Celtics, look great, and are able to go Maybe out. Maybe that's who you look out for this summer, another minimum guy who they try to rehabilitate. I don't, it doesn't yeah. pop into my head immediately, but that was, is definitely something you look for this summer. Two other guys, mm-hmm. actually. Kadeem Allen and Jabari Bird. The hot topic going into the playoffs is whether Jabari Bird could hop onto the real roster. Is that still a question going into this summer, or are they both more likely to stay on those two-way deals? I, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Jabari did. They'd need to um, re-sign him to a two-way deal. I think his two-way deal is up. Uh, are those just one year? I think Kadeem's is two. I think right. Jabari Bird just signed a one-year one. Um, so I think Kadeem Dallin is still going to be on his two-year deal. I'm not 100% on that, but I, I'm like 80% sure that's correct. J- Jabari Bird, I'm pretty sure, will be a, a free agent. I, I would be. I think the Celtics will probably try and um, bring him up to the main roster and give him a real NBA deal. Um, yeah. that, that would be a good, cheap option for them. They know what they have in him. It'll depend on who's out there for free agents um, and who they draft, but... You know, if they have need of the wing guard position and they need a 15th, you know, guy, 14th guy, I, you know, Jabari really showed something. So I, I throughout the year, so I would be, and the Celtics have kind of rewarded guys for that in the past. You know, uh, you've seen what Abdel Nader, you know, just by kind of hanging around the margins in the past few years, he he got his make good contract. You know, yep, the last year. So I, I would be. I wouldn't be surprised to, to see that. Same know? deal they, next year, two two-way players per roster. Yeah, I believe so, yeah. So, um, you know, Celtics could get another person. The Celtics don't have a second round. Uh, I think they only have their one pick this year. 27. I'm pretty sure they don't have it. Yeah, they actually lost their second round pick. They had, they had You know, they sent out one of those top 55 protected picks that was supposed <laughs> to be nothing, but then the Celtics were too good. <laughs> so they actually fell into the outside of that protection. Um, so they actually Incredible. are going to be giving out their second round pick this year. So they might have to, you know, go get someone off, uh, you know, a training, you know, a training camp, uh, summer league. Someone, someone on summer league might be uh, fighting for that second two way spot. There's like so many fascinating things, you know, in particular, especially about- if Smart doesn't sign, then it really gets interesting what they're yeah. going to do to remove move things around because. We know from the playoffs in the regular season, he is a vital part to the rotation as a top mm-hmm. five, six guy in there. Maybe even top four when you think about it, what he brings to the defensive end. So they'd really be searching for a solution I, if he's I, out of there, whether Terry remains or not. I may end up with egg on my face about this, but I really, I'm, I'm just, I'm so confident 
I really think, I really don't think there's much of a chance that Marcus Smart is playing anywhere but the Celtics next year. Um, you know, whether that's him taking the qualifying offer, I, I, you know, because the only way he would be totally off the roster is because of a, the, another team offered him money that the Celtics weren't willing to pay. And I just, I can't see that in that, this cap scenario. And someone, you know, goes absolutely insane or really has a vendetta against the Celtics, which I guess is not that crazy. <laughs> you know, you'd have to really hurt your team, like really hurt your team. Like Marcus Smart is such a specific player who fits. He would be not good in so many different scenarios. Philly's going to bring it full circle and just try to sink their own ship <laughs> to spite that the Celtics. Be, if they did give, I mean, more power to them, it would hurt my heart. I just, I, I'd live, breathe, and die for Marcus Smart. But I, Sixers Twitter yeah. is just going to spite you yeah, <laughs> by signing say, a dumb might, smart they contract. They coming for me after the, uh, the, the mean things on the burner account. But I really think that... Uh, I really, I really, I would be shocked and absolutely floored if Marcus Smart was anywhere but the Celtics next year. The only, my, my thing that I pitched is, you know, even if, even if you can't come to, um, even if Marcus Smart thinks he's deserves more than that, you know, what you could do is you could give Marcus, um, you know, a huge, um, you could give him like a, a $12 million, $11 million contract that's short. Yeah. Kind of the Amir Johnson, Jonas Jerebko. Two years. Uh, a two-year deal with a second year totally non-guaranteed. It makes sense for Marcus because he could get, um, you, you know, he could, uh, even if the Celtics don't pick up that option, then he's an unrestricted free agent. You can make a lot more money as an unrestricted free agent. Um, the qualifying offer route does that too. It does do that, but he would get a lot more money yeah. um, if he took a $12 million in that first year from the Celtics. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's qualifying offers something around six, seven. So if you give him two $12 million deals, you know, you still make a pretty good money, even if the Celtics do pick up your guarantee on that second one. And that lines up all of the Celtics point guard things in one neat row mm-hmm. where, you know, if disaster strikes and for whatever reason, Kyrie Irving decides he doesn't want to play for the Celtics anymore and wants to leave the money on the table to go somewhere else. You can bring back Marcus and Terry um, both. You'd have all those free agency decisions right in the same year, which would be nice. So, you know, um, there's 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 benefits to that. That was one thing I was pitching going in. I, I doubt it works out like that, but I, it's just something that makes you know sense to me. Something else that, that's been brought up is you know what they're going to do with Yabu's. Um, you know, you know it's not a given that they actually exercise Yabu's rookie um, option for next year, which is a shame. But <laughs> what a he, sad what a sad turn be, of events. It would be extremely sad. It would really bum me out. But they need every dollar they can get and. Someone's out of here. At least one person is out of here. And I mean, Tice, Tice also will be a restricted free agent that year and will almost certainly have played himself out of uh, the Celtics price range by that point. Marcus Morris's contract will be up. Terry might be gone. So the Celtics might have roster spots by that point. But Oh, so we're talking two years down the line with that Yabu yeah, situation. Yeah, with the Yabu contract. Well, if they, they would pick up the rookie... Because the this summer, um, this late summer, they would have to make a decision on his contract uh, next year. Is how it right. works. So that's but, Sam uh, Sheehan, everybody, mm-hmm. wrapping up the season. 
free agency starts July 1st. But first, we're going to watch some finals fun and get these jokes off about the 76ers. <laughs> you can follow him at Sam Sheehan, Reem at CelticsVlog.com. We'll talk to you soon, Sam. All right. Thanks, Bobby. Appreciate it. Arena in Dallas, where the Mavs and Lakers are playing tonight, was built in 1980. Now, you couldn't ask for a better facility. It's easily accessible, has all the comforts of a theater, and there isn't a bad seat in the house. But for some reason, there are those who prefer the Boston Garden. Most of those who wear Celtic green. What is so special about the Boston Garden, other than the fact that it's a thousand years old? Let's take a look. First of all, a garden it's not. It's a train station, really. One flight up, and you're on the fabled parquet floor. Now, before you get all misty-eyed about the parquet, take a closer look. 